Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Vector, where we discuss topics, trends, and insights driving the global space ecosystem. I am your host, Kelly Kitas Ogborn, and today is all about fostering better international business engagement and really creating frameworks in thinking and quite literally for how to navigate and drive in the intertangled world that is the evolving space economy with its various markets, drivers, facets, and players. Joining me today for this conversation is Rose Crozier, who is an international relations specialist within the Office of Space Commerce that's part of the U.S. Department of Commerce in Washington, D.C. She has a global portfolio where she works to deepen international engagements to promote U.S. space commerce and international commercial space cooperation more broadly. She is also a non-resident fellow with the Center for Global Development and recently published the Handbook for Space Capability Development, which we will link in the comments, and continues her work enabling low and middle income countries adoption of space-based technologies. Rose, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Kelly. Thrilled to be here. This is a fantastic topic. Obviously, I'm a fan and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. I am too, because you have such an interesting background and broad perspective from the, you know, academic side, um, you know, fellowship side, the government side now. And I think that the way that you approach international engagement and creating these roadmaps for, for you know, countries and, and companies, I think is going to be really, really helpful and critical. And when we talk about this concept of improving frameworks and really bridging the gap is what it is, because... As you know, there are so many different countries now that are engaging with space, and I think our last count was about 102. There is a lot of excitement, a lot of opportunity, and as we all know that there's not one path <laughs> to do it, but the bigger question on people's minds is it's not just national anymore, and there is a real need to be able to bridge this gap and create these inroads for different countries to collaborate. So I wanna start off broad and then get a bit more nuanced. And really the first piece I want to throw out is this concept of a framework, because space means different things for different people. And one of the things that we always talk about at Space Commerce Institute is space needs to make sense for whoever is engaging it. So I want to throw that, you know, level setting vernacular question over is that when you think about frameworks, what does that actually mean? Love it. So framework is a, is a, very flexible diplomatic word, right? That people use in many different ways. And but I think it's useful. You know, it's, it's a scaffolding essentially because we're trying to string together these incredibly complex system of systems that it takes for the space economy to flourish, both for the US and really for the world. And so if you start kind of talking about those different systems, you know, you've got your international trade relationships, you have a financing landscape, you have the innovation ecosystem that we've talked about in previous episodes. And of course, there's this cultural factor too, which can play into how any particular community understands and deals with risk and how we build trust. So when we say framework in the government sense, we're trying to do as much as we can to make a structure so we can be deliber deliberate yeah. um, and, and do what we're best at, and then kind of just set the environment for civil and commercial to operate to do it their best at. And we start getting into trouble when we cross the lanes necessarily. So so that's that's what I talk about when, when I say framework. I think the overall goal really is to methodically balance all of these competing demands so that we can you know come to a, a useful solution using a whole raft of tools. So it's kind of like a, an organizing entity. There's a lot of 
kind of non-space frameworks that have been going on for for years, if not decades, yeah. uh, that are starting to bring the space element into it, which I think is really um, a healthy thing we want. We want our leaders, and we're talking about negotiating trade or diplomacy, whatever it is, to be thinking, you know, cars and trucks and space. You know, it shouldn't be an isolated thing because it still is is part of our economy like, like anything else is. I love that. And I'm actually glad you brought that into the conversation because one of the challenges that I've seen is that sometimes when people think about creating a space framework, they think they're starting from scratch and they're not because there, are, to your point, there are these existing structures, existing industries that have relevance to space are probably being utilized to prop up the capabilities and development of space, but don't actually think they're part of that ecosystem. And so you even made the point of doing what you're already good at. And so being able to identify what those are and leverage those in, I think will allow people to, to realize that they're not really starting from ground zero. Absolutely. Absolutely. So really, we're just trying to normalize space in our, right. regular, our regular work, you know, uh, and I think the office space commerce is, is kind of a uh, spokesman for that. You know, we're an, in, when you're an internal advocate we're trying to bring together, you know, state and defense and all of all of the sub organizations really underneath that that have a space role, but they're not necessarily thinking about it in those terms. So we're trying to sort of organize and focus uh, that type that type of work. Um, and also, I'll note that um, in my various my path coming to this position for a while, I, I did a lot of um, program design and management, and it was focused more on things like um, uh, security, uh, maritime security, or border security, or Ebola, you know, like, like big kind of big systemic issues. And there were so many components, you know, that, that took to have a, a strong program or the result you want to get to. And, and really, in, in, in my work, I ended up just um, focusing that, that skill set, you know, on space. And that's where the Handbook for Space Capability came out of. It was, mm-hmm. it was really kind of methodical walkthrough. What does it take to develop a capable capability for an effect that you want? Um, and, uh, and so it, I, I, I guess I'm basically saying that I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, and the handbook too, as I mentioned, we're going to link it into the comments, but it, I, I do agree that it, it very much walks people through the process and it sort of demystifies, you know, what it, what it means to become part of space, enter space. And, and I think that kind of practical conversation is really helpful because I've I've said this many times and I've probably said this on previous episodes, but part of the problem that space has is that it's still very much seen in mythical mystic terms, but also people still sometimes talk about it just in statistics and acronyms and not really those kind of fluid insertion points that people can engage with. And I know a lot of the focus of what you do at Office of Space Commerce is also to invite people to the table to do more business, right? And to have these broader engagements which certainly is a big task because different countries operate in different ways in terms of their frameworks, you know, for lack of a better term, regulatory policies, investment structures, culture, all these things that you mentioned. So within your role and within the office, how do you guys approach that? Because the U.S. from a obviously from a from a country stature, but also a space stature is still very much on the minds of a lot of people that want to come and engage in the U.S. space business. And so what is your methodology around that? So maybe this is why I'm so compatico with this office and in the sense that I'm, I'm absolutely interested in 
practical, pragmatic implementation. Like, yeah, yeah, the policy sounds great. What does it actually mean on the ground? You know, how does let's it do it. Let's do it. Yeah, what, what is what is what is the thing that we have to do that that is going to take advantage of whatever it is? Um, and so, really, it's kind of the nature of the office space commerce. You know, we our goal is to improve the environment broadly. So we're bringing together, we're trying to understand problems, we're trying to understand opportunities. We're trying to put that in real terms, um, both internally and and externally. So you know, we're we're and also takes into account the sort of fuzzy aspect you're talking about. You know, fostering the conditions, you know, the environment. Um, it's really taking into account all of these factors and trying to kind of move forward. Um, not so spread out thinly that we don't, we don't have anything measurable, um, but, um, but, but not too limited, not too locked into like counting components. You know, I mean, we don't measure our success by, you know, how many, how many widgets are sold on any given right. day, you know. Another aspect of that is, is just we're concerned with, with our industry's growth. It's the advancement of technology and our competitors at home and abroad. You know, uh, just uh, a lot of the things that are good, though, for U.S. business is broadly good for, you know, global space industry. Having you know, transparent rules and policy and regulations is, is really helps reduce risk, helps reduce friction, you know, helps us work together and, and find customers and find partners and, and find those who have services or goods to provide, you know, so. Uh, that's that's the broad the broad picture. One nuance I have to say is uh, the OSC focuses on the at the systemic uh, level, whereas our sister organization, the International Trade Administration (ITA), is much more focused on the business to business angle. So they are always a resource as well, and we work in we work in tandem. That that's a helpful caveat and, and nuance really about you know who's who and and when you engage or, or try to engage these other entities, is it more um, your office is reaching out or can, you know, other countries or companies from other countries engage? And what does that process look like? Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, we have we have a, a website and there's literally like a link there of like come talk to us, you know, and, and we, we really look at that. And so we invite engagement, you know, broadly. So looking at the kind of, you know, day to day things that we're doing, we're, well, we're, we're trying to understand and remove bureaucratic obstacles, you know, like what, what is the issue that's holding back or slowing down space, space related business. Um, and then we do a lot of facilitation work between industry and government. So when we're having these more, for example, you know, diplomatic frameworks, it'll be our office that does the, you know, we call it track 1.5, where you have both government and we invite industry to the table, be it bilateral or multilateral to, you know, improve sort of that exchange of information and really inject energy into that into that government conversation because sometimes it can seem very removed you know to to you know government entities that aren't running a business you know i mean it's like it just kind of adds adds specificity and urgency and i think it's a really important role that we have to to make those kind of events happen. We also do a lot of coordination, you know, government-wide about space commerce policy issues. One one legacy that's unique to the United States is our our space capability and governance really developed organically over many decades. And so our authorities and roles are really scattered across multiple organizations. So that means, you know, our office has picked up this kind of old school, ironically, switchboard rule, you know, role where we're, we're really kind of pulling these entities together when it makes sense. It's a topic that's relevant to what you know, is their slice of, of that space government's pie, so to speak. And then, you know, broadly with our interagency partners, that's the Department of State, Department of Defense, the Federal Aviation Administration, the USGS or the United States Geological Survey, and other offices within the Department of Commerce, because there's like 13 of them. And the White House, the administration is actually critical 
um, we connect, you know, all of these entities together and businesses. And, and, and we also do a lot of work to connect them to their foreign counterparts, you know, so there's a translation effect here because not every country organizes, you know, um, and so we're constantly kind of reminding everyone like, okay, here's, here's the set that, that makes the most sense to talk to for you led into my next question, which I really want to, you know, set the framework for for the the second half of this is this. I don't want to call it archaic, but we have had a U.S. in particular has had a very long-standing space industry, right, with parameters and pillars and agencies and the way that and that served us well. I mean, we obviously have a very you know booming industry around it, but there also are some challenges and limitations with where. The space economy is going and all of these new ways of doing business and and new entrants and one of the things that i always joke sometimes is that it's no longer your grandfather's space industry right because it it is rapidly evolving so when you look across this international landscape and of all of these countries that are engaging in space to your point about even how governments are set up just the ecosystems are set up differently in terms of established players and new players and money flow and how do you think about this evolving landscape to try to normalize space so that these commerce channels and business deals can get done with all of these different variables? Yeah, so I think I think it's a lot of it's just it's kind of um, it's a daily daily effort to play this connecting role and to advocate internally and externally. You know, so yeah. you know voices like yours, for example, and sort of bringing bringing this topic to ears that necessarily necessarily think about it. You know, is, is absolutely. Uh, Important. And, you know, so we're very proactive in the sense of um, making sure that our, our senior leadership has this on their agenda when they're talking about X, Y, Z. Maybe agriculture is the main point that we're just right. going to default to what they know. And, and, and space as a newer topic at this level, you know, a lot of people in those, you know, mid-senior levels just don't have a space background. Um, and so we, we have this sort of consistent education role to, to bring that out. But I, I, think, I think there's been tremendous progress even in the past five years where it's now, it's now on the agenda, you know, not just for necessarily our longest partners and deepest security relationships, but, you know, for the global South, for Africa, for South America, you know, continuing with India, you know, I mean, these, these are Japan, South Korea. These are all partners that, you know, our conversation is maturing when it comes to space related cooperation and trade. Um, so I guess I see. So so that role is inward looking, the advocacy role to to help U.S. policy and regulation function better, to encourage the private sector to innovate, to grow, to connect. And then outward, you know, trying to encourage the global space sector and, you know, trying to find those opportunities, be it at the IAC or other venues or, or through these track 1.5s, you know, to help them find, you know, the customers, the opportunities to collaborate and cooperate. And it's across that entire spectrum. You know, it doesn't, doesn't have to fit one particular mold. And again, that's why we're trying to support the environment because we don't want to dictate to anyone like how it actually manifests. We just want progress, innovation, and things to work better and more efficiently. And and to to again let the, the ecosystem ecosystem grow. And then uh, let me see. I think I think the other thing I wanted to mention is there is definitely uh, a link between, you know, we talk about what is our role. There there's a link between what the government what governments do and and the growth of a new industry, you know, I mean, there there just needs to be some some organization, some push that kind of helps a positive feedback loop form that encourages growth in, in these various sectors. If we're, if we're encouraging growth in the space sector, it's, it's not going to be just in isolation. It's, it's not. It, it can't be a means to itself. It has to, you know, have a, a that yeah. solution in the long run, you know, or maybe has a lot of these kind of spin-off benefits 
you know, that are that are also useful in the eyes of the government. It's not necessarily that a single company sold X dollars. It's because like, OK, we've we've got this economic activity. It's brought money into the community. It's grown our workforce. You know, we're we're, we're getting these other and 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 advantages. And so that's why there is a, you know, every every government has an interest in kind of supporting this kind of activity um, aside from just strictly like the profit. Right. Um, and, I, you know, it's the same for the U.S. You know, we're, 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 that's one of the reasons why we have this sort of um, mesh network of various institutions that have a connection to technology to encourage. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a systems is systems benefit approach because sometimes it's quantifiable and sometimes it's qualifiable. Like you can just see the, the ripple effects and it, it really is, it permeates a lot of things. And I also really liked the point that you made about not, you know, dictating the way to do things, because I think that that would honestly be a losing battle because every country needs to justify why space is a good investment and it's going to trickle down and mean different things to their population, to their economies, to their culture. So I, I like the idea of having, I don't want to call it a loose framework, but at least it's it's some structure to engage with, with understanding that you're all marching toward you know the, the same goal. And I, my question is, so we, beyond the differences, I want to focus on a lot of similarities or where, you know, some of these collaboration pieces can go. And so understanding that different countries have different structures, are there themes that you've seen that have permeated? So maybe it can be barriers of entry, but I'm more interested in like, what are some of the areas that you're seeing cropping up a lot where the main business opportunities exist? where these technologies are, are ripe and ready for this sort of global collaboration. It's just the environment needs to be ready for them. Hmm. Oh, that's a really interesting question. You know, what pops into my mind is there's a company in Nigeria that is currently combining cellulite broadband. It's called Tizeti. They're, they're using UTELSAT broadband and then they're combining it with sort of earth-based kind of Wi-Fi and towers to mm -hmm. service communities, you know? And, and they're doing it in a way that, that is uh, resulting in it's an, it's an actual viable business plan. They're, they're, they're able to operate to maintain their stuff, which is great. You know, uh, yeah. so, so it's a and, and, I, and I really think that there's room for the U.S. And, um, and these sort of newer markets to work together in these combinations to use, you know, existing technology plus, you know, the, the advantage of, uh, of some space based um, uh, capabilities that are that are becoming stronger every day. You know, like what you know, what, yeah. what can we do with these other uh, these other kind of increasingly dynamic options that are going to be added to the the suite of possible applications that can be blended um, in in different ways to to really localize those capabilities. And you know, I did a lot of development work in my past, and and um, maybe I sound a little jaded, but I have definitely had my had my set of of projects where the intention was really good, the money was there, but because they didn't have a business plan, right. it, you know, because it, they just they didn't have a reason or a or a focus or the manpower or the funding to continue it, you know, and you know, so so I really um I really like projects that uh, blend the two that that have a, an enduring uh, capability to it. So, but you asked me like, well, what what is the what are the things the patterns I'm seeing uh, that are sort of the differences in countries, and and I'd say, you know, there's there's the market access piece is always a challenge to to um, be balanced, you know, in, in that um, if there's access provided in the U.S. market, there's access provided in X other market, you know. Um, there's, I think, uh, sometimes we have challenges with conflicting regulations that are centered around uh, national security concerns or yeah. intellectual property concerns. And so that's a constant sort of struggle to, you know, people are always concerned about about those issues and sovereignty, you know, and, and it was understandable, you know. So yeah. uh, 
the, the area we have the most opportunity is when there is an unintentional conflict, you know, like we're both trying to do the same thing, but we've interpreted this in a little different way. And maybe we can, maybe we can uh, align this, you know, and, and that kind of, that is kind of often a conversation we have with, say, for example, European countries, you know, trying mm-hmm. to, trying to make it a little easier for us to be able to, to work together. Um, culturally, uh, you know, I think, I think risk is a really interesting. Um, yeah. Risk you know, appetite is very different. Yeah. Country-wise, yeah, really, yeah. government to investor, I mean, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and so that, and that's like one of those areas where you can't, you can't litigate or you can't, you mean like it, it takes a conversation, you know I mean? It, it takes uh, exposure. It takes some cross pollinization of our working populations to, to overcome some of that, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, I, hopefully, I don't know. Did, did I get that? Did I get that answer there? <laughs> well, you did. And I, and I think that the way you answered it is also kind of the right way. Cause there's not really one, because I, th- I think that most people are, you know, watching and sort of keeping their their finger on the pulse of where the the ecosystem is evolving, and the the biggest piece that you hit on, which I think is the the main question, is people this con this word of regulation. <laughs> it's a scary mm-hmm. scary word for a lot of folks. It doesn't have to be, but I, I think that that to your point, that has been a, a barrier. And I'm going to give my assessment, and you tell me if I'm correct on this. Okay. So going back to the concept of you know this isn't your grandfather's space agency anymore. Obviously, there are regulations and parameters and things in place that have propped us up and gotten us to how the whole industry is running. I think that where I'm seeing things going, there's at least a spirit of understanding that things might need to evolve and adapt to allow more of these global collaborations. Am I, am I correct on that? Which I think can be very encouraging because, you know, while, as you were talking about these opportunities and trends, I think we're still discovering what those are. And that's why I think that these sort of conversations and a lot of the work you're doing is important because you don't know what you don't know unless you're talking to these countries and companies, then you can really identify what the challenges are and work to to correct it, right? Right. So, I mean, I, so so looking forward, you know, yeah. um, I, I imagine many listeners have have heard about the White House's work um, to develop an interagency proposal, um, and uh, this is uh, this legislation would essentially allow the Office of Space Commerce and the FAA. Uh, to fill some gaps in the U.S. government ability to regulate commercial space activities, um, you know, and, and as referenced earlier, we have this old legacy system, right? And and it focuses on right now, you know, launch, reentry, radio frequencies, and remote sensing, and these sort of like stark categories. But with in space manufacturing, with with the biggest activities that are opening up, there's a lot of gaps in how we're dealing with that. And again, this is a problem with you know, how do we talk to other countries if we don't have aligned categories of things that we're regulating? You know, I mean, like it's so it's really um, it's really a chicken the egg problem when we're, we're trying to get our own house in order and figure out how we want to think about it. And, and meanwhile, we're talking with other countries that are kind of doing it in parallel, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now we, we, we do see India doing all sorts of other other things and the U.S. government in general needs to make sure that we can say yes as much as possible to these commercial activities while still protecting, I think, you know, really importantly, the sustainability of space, you know, physical space, so that we can, you know, continue to to rely on on satellites to do sort of the, the infrastructure level services they provide every day, um, and also provide, uh, you know, accessible uh, space to be able to to experiment and and um, evolve new services and new activities. Um, so this particular legislation depends on Congress. Uh, in the meantime. 
uh, the OSC and, and our interagency colleagues, uh, we're going to be doing what we can to understand these challenges and opportunities and really kind of, again, support the development of this new commercial ecosystem. I'm really happy to hear that because it's it's evolving quickly. And, and you know, you mentioned sustainability. I was actually just in Saudi Arabia last week at their Space Debris Conference, and it was talking about, obviously, sustainability and what the business models are and, you know, uh, tech capabilities, but even just the global consequence if we don't develop sustainable systems or protect this space that we're all going to be utilizing collectively much more aggressively and frequently. And we don't know what we don't know yet, right? Because as these technologies are maturing, as these spaces are getting used in new ways, I think the regulatory environment of what space is going to look like in 15 years is is going to be very different. But we need the business models, to your point, to set the precedent for the scalability of where it's actually going to build. Yeah. And so so a little context for you here. So the Office of Space Commerce, uh, we, we, we absolutely have a regulation role as well. So I've been talking about advocacy for the most most of this conversation. And on the regular side, regulation side, we, we have CRISRA, which focuses on that remote sensing piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 to, to acknowledge that, you know, they, they're responsible for licensing, regulation, regulation, overseeing U.S. commercial remote sensing and systems in general. And they're and they're tasked with really striking a balance between um, you know, national uh, concerns, national security concerns, and and supporting you know U.S. commercial capabilities, sort of uh, keeping them as least fettered as as possible. Mm-hmm. Looking to the future, you know, in space regulation, it's it's possible that we could take on a piece of that portfolio, so we continue that that work there. So this is very close to very close to our our, our interest. And the other reason why we're super interested in space sustainability is because we also have a, an operational role. You know, so space situational awareness and space traffic coordination used to belong to, well, still still belongs. It's being transferred from Department of Defense over to Department of Commerce, um, primarily for the civil. Oh, uh, so yeah. we're tracking satellites and, and supporting uh, safe uh, operations in space. And there's a lot of um, there's a, you know there's a pressing need for more accurate and timely SSA data. We need to figure out how to share information. And this will be a a, a global public source. I mean, we're um, a global public good you know it's going to be just like space track org available you know to whoever who wants it for it for you know to provide like a, a baseline level of information to again promote space safety um with some some room there to allow uh, commercial entities to innovate to provide bespoke or you know special services that maybe help satellites be more efficient you know in their orbits or whatever it is they're trying to do that is kind of beyond that like very baseline space like safety um, level. Yeah. So that round of, uh, of this is called TRACS, uh, the Traffic Coordination System for Space. It should go online by the end of this year. And, um, and then it'll be a, you know, an iterative build, you know, from that point on. Um, but we're really excited about it. We will not turn off spacetrack.org. It's still going to go, you know, we're just building something um, that will eventually uh, be, the, be the... Yeah, that can be a bit more agile and iterative as things adapt and evolve. We have a question from someone watching that I want to pull in because when we were talking about some of the themes that you've experienced and, you know, uh, it's an interesting question because you answered it from a business aspect, which you have to, I mean, that that's where you're focused. And really a lot of the answers you gave are very much on these areas where there's a lot of investment, a lot of interest. So looking at utilization of space data, you know, the, the telecom industry, I mean, that's where the bulk of the money is now the bulk of the the investment too because that's where there's the quicker ROI looking a bit farther out are you seeing capability needs that are trending so where space is going and you know we talked about you and I personally have talked about this but also on the show like the whole leo cis lunar economy are there 
are there business ideas that you're seeing permeating that have some real models and legs that are worth mentioning? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. But I, it's, it's my situation is I kind of, I, I, I love all my space industries. So <laughs> are there exactly, trends at least that you're yeah. seeing people, people really leaning into globally? Commercial space destinations are really fascinating. And there's a lot of activity and a lot of discussion about what is the combination of companies or countries and, and purpose that those yeah. are for. Um, there, there's a, there's a real flowering of activity in, in Leo in general. And that's also part of the reason why it's so urgent for us to deal with because we're just putting more and more tonnage every year into those orbits, you know, and, and we want to make sure that that uh, that they can continue to do that. So really, like our so office space commerce is more interested in making sure the the field is clear, you know, than necessarily yeah. like really drilling down on like what is going to be the um, big picture opportunity for commerce broadly, you know. Um, so I would defer I would defer to some of my some of my commercial uh, colleagues to to really pontificate on which one's going to be the winning horse on that. That's fair. Yeah, I think also to your to your point earlier about risk, it's. It's also going to take, I think, that that environment, I don't want to say the level set, but the, the risk appetite, especially for building out some of these larger capabilities and structures that there have been companies that have potentially demonstrated but haven't had the ability to scale because the investment risk is lower, right? The, the development infrastructure risk of what it's going to look like is just mixed. And so I think that's probably something that maybe in one to two years is going to look different as well. Yeah, about, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that for me, I think that the ISAM, just the whole mm. ISAM portfolio within low earth orbit. So the, you know, in orbit service assembly and manufacturing is really fascinating to me because we no doubt will get there, especially with a lot of these, you know, commercial LEO destinations, the commercial space stations coming online and just everything that's going to be enabled to make those operational beyond the launch, but the robotic manufacturing and the in-orbit refueling and just all of the infrastructure development. There's so many companies that are already doing it. It's just the growing and sustaining. So that's where I would sort of hedge my bets because there's just a lot of growing interest. But the challenge is this sustainment piece. It's not just the debris aspect, but it's also like the technical capabilities to sustain, to manufacture in space. We don't have the conditions to scale that yet. And so I think for me, it's having those conversations about how to get people to not think about space as such a risky bet because we can stand on the shoulders of these industries and companies that are already doing and then allow the market to be creative and, and expand because we already have this established base. It, it's, that, it's that balance between the old state and then the new guard in a way. You can quote me, maybe don't quote me, but, <laughs> but yeah, at least that's what that's what I'm starting to see a little bit. But it's going to take a lot of regulation and a lot of coordination because that framework yeah. is mm -hmm. not just one nation, it's global and it's integrative. It's that systems of systems that we talked about and that is where yeah. you and the government and all of these other global entities are really going to be critical because the innovation will get there. It's just the the, the coordination, growth and and scaling. Yeah. And, and this, this, it's funny because this conversation is almost feels like a, it feels like our one or track 1.5s. We have government industry in the room together and we're having this conversation and, and you make it kind of having those insights and talking about this, this exact thing of injecting energy into this, giving us focus, giving us reason, you know, to, to look into, you know, particular possible scenarios and what would be the implications of XYZ policy or regulation. So all of that is a very helpful dialogue and it's exactly what we hope to, to continue to do.
Um, I, I, I will say, I see just totally personally speaking, things I'm excited about. You know, I, I, I really, I'm pretty passionate about digital inclusivity and being able to, you know, kind of really, really reach both, uh, you know, density and, and, and just reach it all, particularly <laughs> the global south. So I think uh, satellites have a, a real opportunity to, to be a major game changer, you know, of blending technology to achieve some of those goals. Um, and I, that really is kind of is a, is a subset of, of just, um, you know, kind of encouraging countries to blend these, these space applications um, with, you know, driven by sort of local um, uh, demands uh, to, to do something new, you know, and, and, you know, so San Francisco isn't thinking necessarily about Peru's problems, you know, but I'm sure there's a young developer there. I'm sure there's some people there who are trying to like take away at something or see, uh, or, or see a demand for something that could translate into commercial service that they could develop. And then you've got something as well to trade Then maybe the U.S. would be interested. You know, I mean, it, you, you sort of joining this market of ideas yeah. and, and, and this literal market of services and goods. And I, I, I think that's full of potential for for cooperation and and for eventual and for trade. I completely agree with that because I think the future yeah. has to be competitive and collaborative more on the collaborative side because that's really yeah. where we're going to be able to take the best ideas, you know, the, the best ways of doing business, combine them for our collective wish because globally we all want to achieve the we all want to access space. I don't want to say we, we want to achieve the same thing because that's that's not true. But we yeah. all want to access space and utilize space in in um in different ways, and also you know not abuse it. And that's, right. a, that's an important concept. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess the last part, if you're talking about game changing things, I'm I'm personally interested in the space based solar power and and the possibility of of that changing our our dependence on fossil fuels. And so, so I'm, I, I, I follow that. I'm really, I'm really interested in that. And I, I'm a cheerleader for, for our industry and, and building that capability out and making it real for people. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of really good movement within the Middle East and some other countries that are working on, on those challenges and being able to your point that you made in the beginning, utilize best practices from other industries that are already doing and just translate them and spin them into space. Yeah. So my last question for you, while I still have you as a captive audience, is <laughs> so I, I appreciate you mentioning personally what you're excited about and, and the trends you're seeing in the Office of Space Commerce. If you could give a piece of advice to a, a company in, in a country that isn't necessarily engaged in space, what would be the one thing you would tell them? Solve the non-space problem and work backwards from there. You know, so so being because it will unlock financing, unlock advocates, unlock uh, supporters and collaborators if you put it in terms that are real to those people, you know. So if your space thing has, if it's applicable in agriculture, you know, then look to the agriculture community to to support its development and implement it, you know. And, and you can bring along the space people with you, but if you stay locked in the space room, it's it's people would think it's a great idea, but I don't know how far you're going to get actually implementing it. Because if you're in the space room, the cool, sexier things tend, I think, get more attention and funding. Um, but the more pragmatic sort of stuff, maybe not as much, you know. So it's so you really have to kind of network and diversify a bit. And if you if you go to one agriculture community that doesn't take you seriously, then then there's probably more than one, you know. Just find phase shift over to another to another set within that that piece. Um, and and also if you are if you go into the game and you're thinking it's it's agriculture, but it's not a good fit in the end. And, you can also switch. You could, you know, keep keep an open mind about figuring. Well, where does this thing, 
land. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm sure every entrepreneur out there can tell you that it wasn't necessarily a straight line, you know, to go oh, from yeah. piece, you know, and it's not any different for space, you know. So blending these applications together in new ways. I tend to be, I admit, I'm a little, I'm a little like earth centric bias just because of my background, but I can absolutely see this conversation, you know, for, for the sort of new opening world for, for in space and kind of a little nearer term, the, the Leo space type, type of activity. I think that's a perfect way to end it. I think that your earth, your earth bound view though is really critical too, because that's still like 95% of the space economy and really if we're going to make space make sense for people, it also needs to make sense make sense for the populace about why we're even investing in it. And there needs to be these yeah. tangible, yeah. you know, real world touch points. But I, I love your solving solving for non-space and even looking at these adjacent industries of because most technology now is dual use. It's just how you yeah. integrate it and utilize it. And I, I agree with you. They shouldn't pigeonhole. So that is actually really good advice. Thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation and I think there's been a lot of really good concept covers, but also hopefully a lot of really good information about how people can engage, you know, you in your office and, and really engage with the U.S. better. And, you know, so we can build this, this framework of global engagement as a community. I absolutely agree. And I guess the other piece I would note is to our, to our various international partners to leverage the U.S. Embassy there. because It's sort of like a mini representation from commerce, from state, from everything under the sun. There's a connection to somebody in that, in that embassy. And so they can also be a good resource to kind of figure out, well, where is my, where is my counterpart for the thing mm. I want to, I want to talk about, you know, and it's true for government, it's true for civil, it's true for commercial. So it's a, it's a useful, it's a useful starting point. Absolutely. Most most often people don't know that resources exist or who they can even ask the right question to. So thank you for mentioning that. And I have to give credit to to civil, you know, so Space Foundation plays an absolute critical role of bringing us together, you know, and and supporting and uh, from from the IAC to Space Symposium to the many events we attend, the panels you run. And for example, this podcast are are super important. So I'm really uh, appreciative that, that you're making. No, thank you. And I mean, it, it, it works because we have people like you and others that, that come on and can talk about things because truly my goal, and I know the Space Foundation's goal is really to just advance the global ecosystem across all facets. And the more that we can demystify and offer products and programs and, you know, expertise is really, um, really what we're in it for. So I want to thank you for sharing your time and expertise with us. And I know it's added a lot of value to me to our listeners and to everyone watching, I want to I want to thank you for joining us and remember that there's a place for everyone in the global space ecosystem and we'll see you next time.